wonderful. I was going to say I could listen to that all day, and I realised I have listened to that all day. Do you want to give well, a wouldn't... blast of it again, Steph? Samana, ee, waka, waka, ee, six million down the drain. Kai Abbott scores again. I can sing it again now. My voice is back. Waka, waka, ee. Say, we are top of the league. We are top of the league. Wouldn't make for an interesting podcast, though, would it, if we just loop it I think it'd be our best one yet. Come on, sing along. Anyway. Hello and welcome to the North Bank Podcast. Hello. Get in. (laughs) What a weekend. Top of the league. And we are top of the league. And we are going to stay there for the entire season. Sorry, Holly, just say that again. again. (laughs) Sorry, we are top of the league. Who's we? We are top of the league. Say we are top of the league. (laughs) Say we are top of the league. (laughs) That's professionalism out the window. (sighs) It's nice, isn't it, though? (laughs) You've got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. When was the last time we were top last. of the league? Does anyone know? When were we last Years top ago. of the league? <laughs> <laughs> we were top of the league this time last year. But this time last year, we, we were overreaching. We were beyond expectations. We're exceeding expectations. Now, we're very much, we're not playing very well. Away from our peak. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not. It's not fluent football. It's not scintillating football. And yet... Mm-hmm. We're looking down on everybody else. Control FC. <laughs> Where are they? Can't see them. I'm looking um, down. Can't see them. Okay, Steph, you were at the game. Obviously, we'll yeah. we'll we'll we'll, um, we'll get more from you on the build up to the game and the game itself and so on. But just like, uh, what was what's your kind of main takeaway then after after having experienced the day that you did? My main takeaway. Is Sam and I, Waka Waka, sixty million. I mean, literally, just round my head for the last like whatever it is, eighteen hours or something like that. It's just crazy because the one note I wrote down in preparation for this because I forgot to even do team lineup and everything for midweek. I forgot we'd be doing that. I've just put agony to ecstasy. That's all I put. It was so frustrating. And then it was so explosive at the end that I've just been like walking on air since. It's just unreal. We can't keep finishing games like this. It's we not can. good for my health. It's not good for my health. <laughs> we, we can and we will. I want to see us win the league again. I don't want them to kill me off trying. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a worthy sacrifice, no? <laughs> well, I mean, if I must, as long as I get a massive, you know, um, statue at the Emirates, but not, not one of these piddly little ones that's like life-size down there. I want to be overlooking the inside side of the stadium <laughs> from above because it will be my Gulliver. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Oh my days. Chris. Brilliant. Your takeaway. It has to be uh Havertz's story really, doesn't it? Coming on and how fitting that he gets the winning goal. It doesn't make it all kind of go away our concerns about him generally but my god it's a step in the right direction. So just really pleased for him. We didn't play great we we struggled against the low block but as I'm sure we'll come on to but just absolutely thrilled for for Havertz. Steph did you want to jump in again? I was just gonna say um I'm glad the narrative went Havertz way and not Ramsdale's. <laughs> yes <laughs> it nearly did. <laughs> yes uh, twice. Well 
<coughs> we'll get we'll get yeah, we'll come on to the the game itself and the various narrative angles I guess my main takeaway is we found a way to win and we seem to be doing that quite a lot this season which is great we didn't play well but we found a way to win just to go through the the match stats <clears throat> obviously we won 1-0 we had 15 shots to their nine and, and I think the interesting point there is four of those were on target only and I think just lacking that little bit of killer instinct in in their penalty box we had 64% possession. Uh, we had eight corners to their one. We've now got the best defence in the league, in the Premier League outright, conceding only 10. And the other little stat I've written down there is that's our 14th clean sheet away from home since the start of last season. And the wow. next best is eight from Man City, Man United and third team? Liverpool. Uh, it's going to be someone like Villa or something. Spurs. Fulham. Full of yes, Jeez. <laughs> so oh, wow. um, defensive solidity, defensive foundation. It like George Graham must be looking on just with total pride at um, the Arsenal this season. Mm. One nil to the Arsenal, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we scored it late enough in this game not to uh, leave too many nervy moments afterwards either, but and um, yet. well look let's rewind a little bit to the team news no Steph actually talk us through because you're at the game I haven't been to Brentford I've never been to Brentford away game Chris have you been to Brentford away no so what was it what's it like travelling there what was the atmosphere like where'd you go before kick off and well I uh, me and a pal um, we made a special effort to try and get to Griffin Park their old ground before obviously they had their new move um, but obviously at the time they were in the championship. So me and my pal managed to get tickets in the Blackburn away end at Griffin Park <laughs> uh, and went there. I mean, that was, you know, very traditional in amongst the terraced houses. There's famously a pub on each corner uh, that we managed to do that day. It was a very good day. Um, and so, and then we watched a game. I think it finished 4-2 to to Brentford. Oh, wow. it, yeah, exactly. We saw a, an absolutely cracking game. The Blackburn Blackburn fans were in good spirits despite despite losing. And um, yeah, just a, just a really sort of old fashioned ground. And the and the place they've moved to, it it feels modern. It it's not got that like you know uniform sort of bowl look that say Southampton, Leicester, and all those other clubs sort of went for in that uh, same sort of period. Um, it's almost got. I don't know if you know the the sort of pit lane at Silverstone with that kind of triangular sort of like shape to it um it's got that kind of design going on around it but the thing that that strikes me is it's just in amongst flats like mm-hmm. you you're walking around these flats and then it's like oh there's a football stadium mm-hmm. like it's really unassuming to like walk towards it's quite a good atmosphere inside you know the Brentford fans are always uh, fairly lively although it suffers a little bit from Emirates syndrome in that their end was clearly making noise, but it didn't necessarily travel across to to us in the in the away end. Um, and I wonder if that's uh, true, vice versa as well. So that 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 is what it is. But yeah, it's 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 a lovely little ground to go to, and it's it's even nicer when you win because I <laughs> the last the last time I was there was that opening day defeat when we'd been ravaged by bloody coronavirus COVID. and. Yeah. And then weeks later, they were sort of allowing teams to to not fulfil fixtures, and we got absolutely like 
blown apart in a perfect storm of a team's first game in the Premier League and us with new signings and and key players missing. But so. actually, one in retrospect, one of the one of the games with which Arteta's used to. I guess instill that steel and motivation in the squad as well. You know, you, you kind of that the road to success is dotted with such kind of um, tricky obstacles or uh, knockbacks along the way. Okay, so team news dropped again. None of us picked the right eleven, but largely because Tommy Asu started at right back instead of White. But then in midfield, he went very offensive with Rice, Erdegaard and Trossard playing the the, the, the left eight, I guess. And Chris, we, me and you had a little exchange. You were worried about the physicality of Brentford and how maybe that starting eleven wasn't going to be equipped to deal with that. I, on the other hand, was absolutely delighted with this, the, the selection because I thought, well, we're going to dominate possession and... Let's get enough of our best players on the pitch to dominate, to to take advantage of that possession. So yeah, Chris, when the teams did drop, then what, mm. what were your thoughts in particular about you know Trossard playing? As I said to you, I just was concerned off the ball whether he would fulfil the defensive duties of a left eight because I'd never seen him there before. That was it was just a step into the unknown. And it's all good with hindsight because in the presser afterwards, Arteta did allude to the fact that he kind of suspected that Brentford would play in a low block and that we'd need more kind of guile to break them down. And that's kind of how it panned out, isn't it? That we we did need the kind of lock pickers uh, and, and it worked okay having Trossard in that position. I don't think he got too exposed. But that was the only real shocker. The, the rest kind of played out in terms of team selection. White was obviously not ready to to start. I was kind of, I suppose, Gabriel Jesus would be my only other slight uh, concern up front in that I thought he'd be on the bench. But look, he obviously tired after about an hour. And Yeah, the three, the three Brazilians all played, didn't they? Despite having played quite a lot, large number of minutes for their country and then their long travel long travel back. Steph in the ground then when the team news dropped, what was your what was the kind of sense there? Um similar in that a lot of people it made them quite happy and confident that we were going for what looked on paper to be a very attacking lineup. But I, I myself couldn't help but feel because the thing is you we've mentioned low block already, but a low block team nowadays is not the same as it was maybe five, maybe even ten years ago. You know, a Burnley or a Stoke of the past, well, they were, they used to be essentially, you know, six foot trees that just sat really deep and, and acted as a block. Whereas now a team will be a low block, but it will be a, a low block that tries to disrupt your possession still because they have the fitness and the speed and the stamina to keep pressing even from a low block position because Umbuemo, for example, for Brentford was just like relentless in 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 constantly pressing and, and giving no one any time on the ball. West Ham do a very good job of it. Um, and especially now they've sort of shifted Bowen um, to be the kind of false nine um, striker. And so I always worried that, that we were going to miss any presence you know Trossard's brilliant but Trossard's brilliant wide coming in 
or as that false nine, you know, drifting into different places. When he's got to hold a midfield position and, you know, stave off the press and or receive the ball in quite tricky and uncomfortable circumstances, does he have the presence in order to do that? I mean, I said I said to the people I were with, I don't know whether it was even in the, in the first half, it might have even been as early as that, that I just, I wish we had a little bit more presence. Like, you, they're all wonderful footballers, but, you know, and as much as I know we can't rely on Partey, that's, that is what he gives you. And when we looked at the bench, for me, it was just kind of, it was screaming out for Havertz for, to come on. And although he's not a spectacular player in, in, in the way that I think, a lot of people want him to be, but he's such a neat and tidy player and he's so strong and, and let alone just, you know, simply tall um, on top of that. And yeah, Brentford were, were at it and they were difficult. And I, I really liked getting back and watching match of the day back when um, the post-match interviewer on match of the day was questioning Arteta and saying, where was the attack influence? Are you a bit worried about that? He's like, no, 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 no. Brentford don't let you do that. We played a great yeah. game because Brentford do not let you do it. And that's brilliant. Mm. And and just to give props as well, I mean, Thomas Frank was asked in his post-match press conference, not on match of the day, um, about Arsenal celebrating at the end. Yeah, saw that. And he said, be weird if you didn't celebrate winning. Yeah. And it's and a, almost a, a sign of respect that they're And a last-minute winner. And a last-minute winner. is like, that's I what just we're here love, for. Yeah, hearing from people being like talking like adults and not the press just trying to you know poke the bear for that story yeah. that they're after. I mean, it's all just nonsense. Like they just spoke like grown ups, and it was all very sensible. And Brentford are Brentford are really good, but you could sort of see also that they are lacking a bit of quality. I know there are lots of injuries, and let's face it, their their best player. Um, is obviously on a long-term ban, and that's that. Really, was the difference? We 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 had a player like Saka who could deliver a perfect pass, perfect cross when when the time mattered, and and they just maybe didn't have that. Well, that 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 was the the interesting part. Um, hang on, I've lost I've lost my train of thought there. Woo! That's what we do every time there's a pause. We just yeah. come in with that song. <laughs> Okay, so so what I was going to say, um, at this point, I th- I should insert the caveat that it was a five thirty kickoff on a Saturday evening, which is my nemesis of a kickoff time. So I didn't actually see much of the game at all. I was obviously keeping up with it on on social media and so on. So h- how did? I mean, I know Brentford against the big boys tend to play three at the back, and and I did did read some commentary, kind of almost accusing them of being very negative and not really coming out of their shell at all and making it even more difficult for us. I know, Chris, you talk about the arc of frustration or stuff. I don't know which, which one of you, but the, mm-hmm. that, and I can imagine that that was pretty to the fore during the game. You used the word, Steph, already, frustrate, frustration and frustrating performance. But how did, I mean, I know, like, okay, let's talk about it now. Um, Ramsdale, <laughs> Brentford's only opportunity in that half did come from Ramsdale caught in two minds and a fantastic block on the line from Declan Rice bailed bailed us out so how how did the first half kind of develop 
Well, it, I mean, like as you said, it was a lot of arc of frustration. I feel like anyone saying about Brentford being too negative is is being overly critical. I think they had a they had a game plan which was to sit deep when we had possession, but if we were going to build slowly from the back, they actually did presses, and that's where mm-hmm. that that mistake from Ramsdale, you know, was forced. It wasn't a complete look. He. He hesitated and maybe slightly miscontrolled and then it led to a little bit of panic. But it was from a position where it was that classic, you know, centre-back split, passing across the back line. But the Brentford players were there and Buemo and the other attacker, I think, was it Wiesa? Uh, I think, were were on them. And and that's why I said about Brentford were a low block, but they're a low block with intent, if you know what I mean, if that even makes any sense. Well, they broke very well, didn't they, Steph? Absolutely. Well. They played yeah. like an away team essentially you know a, a yeah. good very well organized and as you said earlier very athletic so that once they'd pressed us and maybe we broke out of the press they were able to get into their pos- into their block very quickly and and frustrate us that chance it wasn't just um Mbwemo's shot that rice saved on the line the ball rebounded to it might have been Wissa, mm. and he really should have just stabbed it into an empty an empty net and he put it wide and he tried to pretend like he'd been clattered for some kind of penalty but there was no contact on him at all really he was goal side of I can't remember who the defender was but he was goal side of them anyway and it did come to him quickly but still um, but on Ramsdale I must admit it the words I'd use is just sad to see him mm. at the you know the you know we won the game and you can imagine him last year he'd be front and center fist pumping engaging with the crowd not important three points but he looked like his spark his spirit is gone how was he how was he um in the game Steph like when the cameras we obviously only saw the bits when the action was near him but how was he his demeanor to you guys I think there can be a lot of you know after the fact kind of analysis of his body language and this that and the other um yeah, he's coming into the team after a spell out, and naturally he's not going to carry. Look, when he's when he's been in the team before and he's been that fist pump himself, that's that's after a run of good performances. So he's going to be a bit more, you know, he's going to be altered in in the way he, he he behaves to a point. I think the tricky thing is there's there's lots of things that are true that might seem contradictory because on the one hand. He is a very good keeper, but on the other hand, he is a keeper with flaws. And on the one hand, um, this feels like a situation all of Arteta's making and hasn't been handled very well. But on the other hand, it is a, you know, it is a ruthless kind of you know part of football in that if a manager wants to go a certain way, he will go a certain way. The the first it would be more palatable had Arteta actually followed through on what he said and rotated the keepers because a few of the people I was with sort of said actually look if you're going to have two number one keepers use them as that because expecting them to come in and be match sharp you know keeper fitness is not necessarily the issue it's about the sharpness the decision making and the trust of your defenders in front of you which Ramsdale obviously has you know look at all the 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 thanks he got given by the other players at full time and when he gathered the ball in injury time. 
you know, he's he's part of the squad. He's really loved. But but he's a flawed player. I mean, uh, on the flip side, you could read it another way. You could read it as him trying to make an attempt to be a bit more focused and a bit more subdued and not let his emotions get the better of him mm. and not be full of histrionics. I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to think that, but no. <laughs> oh, well, I'd, I'm not sure. Because I don't, I don't think, think, that's, that. I don't think that's in him. It, what must be really hard in terms of motivation is for him to come in for that game because Raya was, by the, t- the terms of his loan agreement, he was he was prevented from appearing for us but he knows he's out of the team on Wednesday the next game you know he's it, that's got to be really difficult so yeah t- just feeding into what you just said there Steph he's like if he you know if, I'd love Arteta to have told him right you've got the next three games you've got Brentford away you've got Lons home and you've got uh, Wolves home at the weekend three clean sheets and I can't keep I can't you know I can't take you out I'll keep you in for the next game do you know we all, we all said um, you know at the time he can't win because he comes in for this one game because of the, the the loan situation. And let's say, you know, we, we win more comfortably and he doesn't have a lot to do. Well, then everyone will say, well, yeah, the defense was kind of doing your job and it doesn't really say, show anything about you. Then let's say that the defense are having a mare and he has to face lots of shots and Brentford are all over us and he does make a load of saves. It's like, well, yeah, but your defence... Like, basically, Saliba and Gabriel have been so good that, you know, if it was to turn out that way, as it happens, it's probably worked out best for, for Arteta. Because, A, we've managed to keep a clean sheet and get the three points. But B, he might be somewhat vindicated in the errors that, that Arteta made. The, 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 the trouble with that is... Ray has made similar mistakes. You know, mm. we we remember Alvarez charging him down in the Man City game and, you know, dwelling on the ball and, you know, miss shanking a couple of passes. But who did he give the just, ball away can't to? Win. Was it Chelsea away? He Raya gave the ball away mm. and they scored from it. Well, and, and he was misplaced for the Mudrick cross, wasn't he, really? Yeah. So, you know, this is the thing. And the, the, the only thing that, that, that bothers me about it is. It, like I say, it feels like a situation of Arteta's doing and the the gain from it feels so slight that I'm, you know, it feels hard to sort of justify. And that said, mm. that said, for me, seeing those errors, just something about, and it wasn't even particularly those errors. Like I said, Reyes made similar errors, but there was just something about, like you said, Ramsdale's demeanour. The whole situation around it, you know, his dad going on podcast and the, and the family being upset with how, you know, he's not really been spoken to. I, f- I feel that's it now. That 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 will be it. Raya is Arsenal's number one, and that the, the likelihood is Ramsdale will now will go elsewhere. You know, whether he'll be sold in January or loaned. Well, who knows? I I, I think that would be an absolutely criminal mistake to make to let allow him to go I get the human side of it and for his own personal uh, ambitions in terms of the summer and for England it would probably serve him better to go but who's who would he go to who someone mentioned Chelsea but we're not going to let I've him heard go to of Chelsea. Wolves, Wolves loan. yeah I heard Wolves today actually but it, yeah well a loan might suit him a loan might work for him in the sense that it's it's not as a permanent but deal, doesn't but suit it, us 
Well, no, but it's it's not about us at the moment in terms of okay, you can, you can put your foot down and say we need you to stay, and then you've got an unhappy yeah. number two. But we're we're kind of also considering his well being in this, aren't we? This whole discussion and what works we, we best are. for him. Yes, what works best for him but is Arteta is to be able to play as a number one somewhere so that he's considered for the England squad. Now we being selfish, or rather Arteta being you know selfish and just concerned about the team will say, no, you're staying put. I need a good number two. And I think he'll do that. I mean, I I, I expect him to do that. Uh, you know, I hope he does that. I don't want to be going into the, the second half of the season with Carl Hine as our backup goalkeeper. No, no. no disrespect to him. I just don't know enough about him to know whether he'd step up or not. Um, don't forget that it is a ruthless dog-eat-dog business, but Ramsdale did exactly the same to Leno when he sure. joined. So it's... He can't. You you don't join a big club, and expect to be a shoe in for selection. I with that. Okay, with that said, I still yes, Arteta has handled this unnecessarily poorly. Yes, I just weird. I think if Raya had come in and been clearly better, uh, it might have been an easier thing to accept from us in the same way that we were saying, well, Leno's all right. What's the wrong with Leno? And then within half a dozen games of Ramsdale, we all ah. Look at the way this guy's kicking and his personality. And we were won over, weren't we, pretty much immediately by Ramsdale. Mm. Okay, so what keeper would have been notably an improvement on Ramsdale? You look at Alisson yesterday for Liverpool. Yeah. He was crap. He was shocking. Mm -hmm. And he is... With his feet, The top two goalkeepers in the Premier League, him and... Alisson and Edison. Edison, yeah. So, so what... So... It is at the, when you get to this level. It's not about no, a, a marked upgrade. It's about marginal gain, right? And on the metrics, Raya, and for what Arteta wants, Raya is a marginal upgrade yep. on. But Ramsdale. is it worth upsetting on, the apple cart? Is what I think you said earlier, Steph. Is what is the gain worth but, the upsetting well, of well, the okay, hang dynamic on. of the, the apple team. cart you're talking about? Is Mister Ramsdale? My, my, no, 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 well, no, no. the squad, it, harmony. But you, yeah, said, but you said yourself, his body language yesterday. But that's him. Was, that's just him. That's not the squad. We're top of the league. Does that not feed into the rest of the team? Well, no, look okay. at the way they were going to celebrate with him. That was a clear yeah. move by those players, which brought emotion into the situation yeah. that Arteta probably doesn't want because he wants and, that culture. And when his mistake was made, three or four Arsenal players straight, straight to him, Patting him, come on, that's yeah. it, no worries. Mistake, we all make mistakes. Did you see Arteta's reaction? They cut They cut to Arteta as soon as that gaff happened and he was just kind of shaking his head and looking down at the touchline kind of thing. <laughs> You're thinking, penny for your thoughts there, Mickey. Well, so- I mean, again, as I turn into a Freudian bloody body language expert, I couldn't help but notice on the, the – because um, I recorded the game and watched it back, only the last 10 minutes, obviously um, – that, you know, at the end of the game, it was a marked difference between the fact um, he just went up to Ramsdale and did the whole sort of half handshake shoulder bump thing and then made a real song and dance about getting Havertz yes. in front of the the crowd. So, look, he obviously loves Havertz and that's, that's he's understandable, that a public though. showing. That's, that is understandable as well. You know, the, but, his, his attention and focus well, his, on Havertz. How many times has Guardiola done something which looks performative 
from the outside, you know, whether it was like berating Nathan Redmond yeah. uh, in a losing, was it a losing Norwich or a losing Southampton side? Southampton. And then Haaland the same in, in, in a couple of games. I wonder if Arteta, if he'd thought about it more, might have not done the same for Ramsdale and gone, you know, a bit a bit of chest beating and a chest thumping and, and really sort of gone for it. Because at the end of the day, despite two pretty rubbish, like, cock-ups, we kept a clean sheet away, at a really tough team, a London rival and all that. Um, and and like you say, I just, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's... It, and the, this, that, the fact that we're talking about it now just feels like we're top of the league, we've got the best defence going, um, and we're talking about the uh, two goalkeepers where the improvement is the 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 width of a, you know, a cigarette paper. It's... It's just it's just weird situation. Okay, let me ask you this question. And I've seen this kind of mooted on, on Twitter. I've heard some people say that that was Ramsdale's last game for Arsenal. If we beat Lons midweek, he'll play against PSV. And that will probably be it. That's not great though, is it? <laughs> like, But for who? If we're, for we're top of the league and we've got... Not for Ramsdale, it's awful for Ramsdale. Hmm. But at the same time, his... Of all the look, we've talked about this without you know thinking about the squad and future ins and outs. He's one of only two or three players whose stock is high that we would consider selling because they're not necessarily a guaranteed sort of first team starter. Him, Smith Rowe, I think what? is is, a, is another one. No, I'm just look. I don't <laughs> want to sell Smith Rowe. Because I think he's absolutely brilliant, and you get more squad rotation with outfield players. I'm not sure he ain't going anywhere unless we get another keeper, and that's the first thing. Like you said, Holly, Carl Hein is is not a number two. That would be a massive gamble. I don't yeah, think Arteta wants huge. to get rid of him. I don't think he does. I think he just wants no. him to be his number two. He knows this season will be our best crack at the league, like last season was, and we faded. And he made and let's face it, Ramsdale made some glaring errors. Yeah, as well. And, and but Ray is not above errors. That's the thing. It's so. It's just so weird. But no keepers above errors, and a no, keepers. Look at Allison. Yeah, yesterday, yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. And you, you still have Allison in your starting Liverpool lineup, wouldn't you? So, of course, you know, he's not going to be dropped. Okay. But look at the drop off. Hold on. Just look at the drop off between Allison and then Kelleher. Now Kelleher's a decent cup keeper. He's young. He's up and coming, and that's fine. But it's a hell of a drop off, and. You know, this is why people are probably going to look at Liverpool and think mm, not quite quite title contenders the same way they probably look at us and think mm, not quite title contenders. But weirdly, you look at Man City, you know, or, look, Ortega's probably a bit better than Kelleher. I don't really know. But Edison's just never out of the team. And I just don't remember Edison making the same sorts of ricks. It's... No, I mean, on, on that, I don't think it's anyone will look at our squad and use the goalkeeping position as a, a reason why we might not um, be title contenders. I think they'll look, and this will, this will be a nice little segue into the second half, actually, because um, I think they'll look at our striking department and think that's where we're going to struggle. We don't have this 25 goal a season or 30 goal a season, if you're talking about the last winners of the Premier League, Salah and... Um, Harland, thirty-plus goal a season strikers. We just don't have it. We do have. We do share the goals around a lot, but we 
we need this this clinical striker, I think, more than any other position. That's what we need. Do you want a little stat about Haaland? He's yes. now scored more Premier League goals than Freddie Lundberg. Oh. <laughs> Far fewer games. He's been here just a bit. <laughs> He's barely. He's been here five minutes. Well, hasn't he got to? Hasn't he got to fifty Premier record. League goals? Quicker like twenty anyone. games quicker than Alan Shearer or something. Andy Cole. <laughs> Andy Cole Andy was Cole. second. That's mm. mad. Absolute madness. So I do like the rumours that him and Pep don't yeah. necessarily see eye to eye. So does Pep oh. see eye to eye with anyone? Because he certainly Arteta. doesn't with Darwin Nunes after yesterday. No, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. No. I'd love to know what was said. You know, we were in a pub where the. Um, the sound wasn't great, so all we saw at the end was just them two facing off and Klopp in the middle just laughing. <laughs> well, he said, he said, one's from Spain, one's from Uruguay, and I love them both. <laughs> that's, all Klopp, that's all Klopp said. <laughs> With his teeth from Turkey. So go, going into the second half of the game, it was looking increasingly likely it was going to end nil-nil. We had, oh, sorry, we had the disallowed goal just before half time wasn't that in the first half oh, my memory's gone it was in the first half, half. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and oh, so this is the link to the sorry that's what I was thinking this is the link to the centre forward and the lack of a clinical striker because the, the Trossard offside should have been rendered redundant you know, kind of moot point because Jesus should have buried that chance that simple as that you've got free header that centre of goal you're not stretching for it and you, you, you don't allow the keeper to make a, a save from that it, it just he scored a header at Brentford last season Jesus. So, so that for me was the talking point from that particular incident. Yes, in the ground, Steph, you were saying you were just standing there like lemons waiting for... Oh, I just... Look, I don't... I'm all for getting up for the right decision and having seen the stuff back, it, it, it looked like it was offside. But honestly, what it's doing... Look, and I, I hate to get a bit high and mighty about this, but you've got however many people in the crowd, I think it's about 15... 16, 17,000 people who have paid to be there to watch a sporting event and there are these dead spots in the middle of the game where just nothing's happening. But something to do with the game is continuing that you you cannot see. And it's there to serve the people watching at home who granted are paying their subscription, really high subscription, but just these dead spots just need to not happen. Put it on the screens. Every club now has to have them Put it on the screens. Let us see what you're looking at. doesn't matter. It's not going to inflame anyone. What inflames everyone is not knowing anything and then a decision being made that you've got no idea of. Look, we're all on our phones. We can all see it 30 seconds later anyway. You know, I'm just fed up with the whole process. And I granted they're getting to the right decision to a point, but, but show us what's going on. Let's talk about the goal. I'm fed up talking about VAR. <laughs> Let's talk VAR about the goal. goalkeepers. We actually Let's... won this game. We won a bloody game. You'd never, so bloody you'd never have thought it, would you? We're a trio of miserable gits. <laughs> what are we so... doing? Let's talk about the goal. Havertz, okay, that's his second goal. He's got an assist for the Man City winner, um, which is down to Martinelli, really. But he did get the assist, so he's down on the you know in the record book show an assist for that for that goal. The penalty we, it's a well a well trodden path, us talking about that penalty and giving it to him. But this was his own merit. His his movement. Okay, Saka's ball across was just just supreme. It was he's the only player on the pitch that could have done that. Um but Havertz's movement for it was quite intricate. Mm. 
it really was. And it was like real instinctive. And he did say that they'd been practicing re- on, the, on the training fields. They'd been going over that uh, back post uh, movement and that back post header. He referred to Bukayo as B and I love that. He did, yeah. <laughs> they why. all do, don't they? He really corrected like himself. He but they all, they all have one syllable um, nicknames so that they can call each other quickly on the pitch, I think. Ooh. So they've all got, yeah. What's Odegaard's? Hode? Oh, Cap. Hode. They'll just call <laughs> him Cap, Cap, won't they? Cap. Mart. Cap. I don't know. Yeah. But Cap can I can deck. I just jump in on this and just prior to that, and I was texting you, Holly, and saying how it was frustrating because we couldn't break them down. But there were several occasions where we were delivering really good balls uh, from both flanks and there was no one running in. There was no one <laughs> taking a gamble on the last, uh, on the far post or anywhere, in fact, you know, when the, the ball was a pretty good ball and it was made almost to look like a bad ball because it just sort of sailed out of play. And and I was tearing my hair out thinking, someone take a, a, a run at it, you know, and just chance, as soon as the ball's delivered, just make a run and see what happens. And it wasn't happening. And then, thank God, Havertz had the intelligence to to take that gamble on the, the last cross. And headed it low. Yeah. Headed out, yeah. hit it low. Like, take note, Jesus. Yes, indeed. But the, the the away end must have kicked off at that point. And I must oh, admit, I was jealous. I was thinking, I want to be there singing exploded. that song. <laughs> what song? Who's <laughs> down a train? I have it, was okay. Well, Chris, you, you mentioned about like kind of someone just taking a gamble or being more clinical and so mm. on. Do you see lots of rumours today on Twitter about Ozymen, the Napoli striker? And I look, I just looked into it a little bit and apparently it's pr- sparked by a Charles Watts um, tweet, but people forgot to look at it, the date. He actually tweeted it about 18 months ago <laughs> um, and it's still in the rounds now. Although someone did mention, a, use a quote from Gunner blog, but I don't know whether they completely made that up. I couldn't be bothered to look into that. I thought, mm-hmm. I could, you know, we're not going to pay 120 million quid for him anyway. So, <laughs> um, but so do you know? We're we're another week closer to the January transfer window. Chris, what should we do? Should we do we need that striker? Well, you know, I think we do. We, we had this conversation, and I suppose there's a, a toss up between. A midfielder, whether that means that the Kai experiment hasn't quite worked, and they're concerned that they they'd rather go for. I've heard rumours about you know Louise going in strong for Louise. Uh, I would still rather go for for the striker because I think that's ultimately what we need is the is more goals to capitalise on this control that we have. And I, I think with El Neni fitting in the squad, I think. If the worst came to the worst, we have got more midfield cover than, you know, mm. goals win games kind of thing. So the focus <laughs> should perhaps be on the on the goals. Look, we're top of the league entering December. It's when we click. Yeah. You know, everyone keeps talking about this click and I've been guilty of it as well. I say guilty of it. It's not wrong to say that. I, you know, we, we're all craving fluency. Um you know, from our attack and something that's a bit more ruthless, certainly, and, and direct. But I saw an interesting tweet from Clive, who's on the Arsenal Vision uh, podcast, who says, you almost have to forget about last season. This season is yeah. is different in that, we, like you said earlier, you know, the expectations weren't there last year and they are now. But also, like, the mindset from opposition 
is going to be different. We're going to face more low blocks and that requires different keys to unlock. Whereas last season, we could play the underdog role a little bit more here and there and, you know, hit people a little bit more quickly. And so, you know, comparisons to last season are understandable. You know, we're all doing it to a certain extent because it was so much fun, but we have to find different ways to get through. And like you say, that's why games have been close and that's why it's so pleasing that we have managed to find a way in so many games, um, even if it means doing it late on and I end up having a heart attack. <laughs> I, I'll counter that, though, with the the, 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 the idea or the, the notion or the facts, actually, that yesterday was only the second time we started with our first choice front three and Jesus is getting minutes in his legs. He's not match fit or fully fit yeah, at no. all. So, and Erdegaard has been a little below par this season, and Party's been out for the majority of the game so far. So, I'm not sure that I. Th- I think we still have got a click to happen. I think. I think For our sure. players, although mm. Saka's numbers are fantastic, he's not. It, it hit, won't hit be. The, for me, it won't be like last season, though, as, as we all agree, that it's not going to be the sort of free-flowing football of last season with that kind of... We're now into a different era. It's the control era. And it's going to be, for me, there is a kind of click, but it's an augmentation of this controlled football where we become more efficient up front. And that's kind of... that. W- I'd be happy with that because th- there aren't enough sh- shots on target for me in a game. Yeah, I'd, well, we had... Seem- we had four on four. target from fifteen attempts yesterday. So, and and that's it's been those numbers have been like that. I mean, Man United today had three shots on target and three goals. Now, I'm not wanting to swap places with Manchester United, and I'm not going to use and hold them up as a, a, a beacon of how we should be doing things in an attacking sense. Um, although they did spoil my weekend somewhat, but mm. anyway. Um, but that can happen from time to time but it's a pretty constant for us this season is that our, our yeah. uh, shots on target per game is pretty low uh, and that I feel is what we need to improve if we're going to win the title <laughs> okay look this was going to be a relatively short one but we're, we're, <laughs> we're closing on we're, 50 minutes yeah. we're flirting with an hour already <laughs> um, so let's let's take a break let's park Premier League and Brentford there. We'll have a little break. When we come back, we'll have a very brief look forward to the Champions League resumption on Wednesday against Salon. So, um, yeah, see, see you in a bit. Welcome back to part two. A look ahead to the Champions League on Wednesday. Lons at home. I think we need a point to guarantee qualification, a win, guarantee top spot. They're currently six. I don't look at Lons at the moment because when we played them in the first game, they were like in the bottom two after only three games and so on. But they're on a pretty decent run. I'm beating the last five, winning the last, winning three of those. Last time out, they won three nil away at Clermont. They're currently sitting sixth in League Earn. We're gonna keep this brief. Let's get straight into the team selection prediction. Chris, who's gonna play for us on Wednesday? Okay. I'm going to put Raya back in the sticks. White will get some minutes in his legs uh, and start at right back. And then I'm going to go Saliba and Kivior and Zinchenko. And then uh, Odegaard, Rice Havertz midfield. 
Saka Jesus for the same reason he needs to get some more minutes and I think mm, I'll stay with Martinelli who's in midfield along with Erdegaard did you say Rice anchoring Havertz left okay Steph what about your lineup I think mine's almost similar yeah Reyes back in goal back four I've gone White Saliba Gabriel and Tommy Asu um, with a midfield three of Odegaard Rice and Havertz and then front three is uh, pretty much the same. Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. Okay. You know, Trossard's, Trossard's done all right. I just feel like Martinelli, whilst playing well, needs just needs a goal. One or goal in 14 to, games. To, yeah, exactly. He's, he has, look, and, and that's the thing. He's, despite that, he is still playing very well. Um, Saka kind of picks himself. And like you say, Jesus, I think in the Champions League, he's been thriving. He'll want to score. Um, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. <laughs> My naivety Ramsdale. really changed. I, I, Ramsdale in <laughs> goal. <laughs> oh. uh, White, Saliba, Kivior, and Zinchenko. It's funny we've, yeah, it's Chris, I agree. That's the same back four as you've picked. I've gone for um, Jorginho, Rice, and Erdegaard. And then the front three, yeah, Saka, Jesus and Martinelli. Mm. Chris, what's the score going to be? Um, I'm hoping that these um, European teams, they're feisty at home and pretty rubbish away. So I, I reckon it's going to be a comfortable two or three. I'm, I'll go two, conservative, two nil. Steph? You're not going to believe this because this will be the second game in a row. I've gone 2 nil this is as well. The, this is the second game in a row. All three of us <laughs> have gone the same score. Wow. I've written down 2 nil as well. <laughs> and it, it, okay. I kind of want it to be one of those where we blitz them and go 2 nil up at half-time and then start taking players off and just cruise through the second half. That's what I'd like. That's the, that's the dream. And we've it? done that before in, yeah. the, in Europe. And it's been lovely to see. It might be not quite the spectacle in the second half, but it shows great control and obviously being able to take off your players on 60 and... Bring on Nelson and the like. That's what I'd like to see. Are you going, Chris? Yeah. Okay, so you're our representative on The flag bearer. Okay, moving on from the Champions League. Arsenal women had a comfortable 3-0 win at home to West Ham today. Was it Beth Mead back on the back in the goals? Beth Mead. Um, I did try and book two tickets for the Arsenal women's against, women against Chelsea on the 10th of December. And the only place in the ground I can get two seats together are they in the gods in the either end it's oh it's they've sold over 50,000 tickets for it and it is a battle of the top two it is almost like an early season title decider we're three points behind them same games played if they were to beat us that's an insurmountable gap I think at this point considering their team and their makeup so actually I think it will be a really quite tasty spiky atmosphere and I'm a little bit annoyed that I left it this late to try and get a pair of tickets for it but it is what it is um can we what about club level no no i check i check i did check i, was, I would have paid the extra just to get two but there's no two seats together there mind you you can yeah you can stand in the warmth and watch through the glass i guess in club level um and um it, it would be remiss of us all if we let this podcast pass without laughing at spurs mm-hmm <laughs> can, we, can we have a little laugh? Okay, mate. Yeah. Let's have yeah. a laugh, mate. Yeah, it's not going quite as uh, well as planned, is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it? Um, what, what are they? They're there. 
I don't know, only the third team ever to lose three consecutive games, having taken the lead in all three. Brilliant. So Spursy. That is that is good. Uh, apparently, I did see the clip, but I didn't watch it live. Roy Keane in the in the Sky Studios was trying to explain or describe away the Spurs defending and he paused, this dramatic pause, and then used the adjective we all know, Spursy, to describe it. (laughs) It was fantastic. It was like Paddy Power, who are just brilliant in uh, in their creativity Mm. and their wind attempts at trolling. They retweeted that. They were on that. He'd barely uttered the word and they were t- tweeting it out, <laughs> retweeting it Spursy. out. Spursy, so that was good. Um, on a serious note, I do want to mention um, or acknowledge the, the passing of El Tel, Terry Venables. Mm. In particular for me, 1996 was just oh, such a, a special nice summer. Man. I mean, I'm, and again, it's well documented here. I'm not big into international football, but I phoned in sick every, if any get after the, England games. I was so hammered and had had such a fantastic evening watching England's progress that I missed a lot of time at school <laughs> the, the next day. It was just, I don't know, the, the country was just caught up in it. You know, it's coming home. Yeah. You know, Badil and Skinner, the, the atmosphere, the mood was brilliant and he was responsible for putting that together on the pitch for us. So um, sad, sad, sad today to learn that he's passed at the age of 80. Do you, do you guys remember that summer, 96? Oh, yeah. I mean, Euro 96 for me was a pivotal year. I was going up from primary school to secondary school. I went to see Oasis at Nebworth and we had Euro 96 at well, as well. It was, it was, I was 12 years old. It was You're so unreal. young. And I, what, <laughs> I know I was so young. But what I really liked about it was that because the first world, I don't remember Italia 90, so I was absolutely buzzing for World Cup 94 and we didn't qualify. And England were a bit crap. And so when Venables came in and things started to lift a bit, although even then, because we were playing friendlies and not having to qualify for Euro 96, it was all a bit... Mm. But then we, we started and we, we were playing well. That I mean, the, the Netherlands game mm. in the group stage that we won 4-1, that was like a light bulb moment. It was like, oh, I'm enjoying watching my country play football. And it was just unreal. And from that moment on... I mean, that it was just like yeah. I was hooked. I think he made them so, likable. That's all I could say about it. Yeah. They, they all, it was a likable bunch. Yes. And he was the kind of, I suppose, the catalyst to make that happen. And uh, I always liked him uh, as a manager, as a personality. Thought he came across really well, played the game. That's with funny. Good philosophy. That's funny, isn't it? Because considering he managed that lot down the road, <laughs> I, I never felt that animosity towards him ever. No. Like, never. Well, the fact that he went anyway. to Barca shows that he did have, you know, he obviously had some good football now. Yeah. Did, you, did yeah. you see the photograph of him on a couple of Barca players' shoulders and a 15-year-old Pep Guardiola is like gazing adoringly up at him, <laughs> clapping. It's like really sweet, a really sweet photograph. But um, Gary, Gary Neville also said, uh, not Gary Neville, Gary Lineker also said that he thinks he was in, he's been England's best coach. And Lineker said, look, he'll always love Bobby Robson, but Bobby Robson was a a man manager. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. a tactician, whereas Venables very much was. And even though he's got that kind of L-tell, like, personality, he was a bit mm-hmm. of an innovator and would, would change what he wouldn't, you know, he didn't have one particular formation that he stuck to. He, 
And I think that's maybe why Barcelona came came knocking because they they want that flexibility. They want be well, they want to be able to go out and get players and for the coach to make it work. And f- to do that, you've got to be a great coach. Mm. And yeah, Venables was certainly up there. Lovely. Anything else you guys want to chat about? Well, just you know the Everton protests pre uh, Man United game, and then the bubble being burst by an absolutely no. no. Trevor no, Sinclair esque. No, no, no. 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 Oh, no, okay. This is not the place to eulogise about a goal Manchester United have scored, right? <laughs> I did say Trevor Sinclair esque. I'm not sure that's eulogising it that much. Yeah. I just look <laughs> yeah. at him and he looks like something a computer spewed out as a kind of spoilt brat footballer. His face. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, I think, I, think I said that vibe. it's a shame he has got a face that's eminently slappable. Hmm. <laughs> We had a decent set of results over this weekend and that was spoiled somewhat by Manchester United. I mean, Spurs dropped points. Uh, Spurs dropped dropped points hilariously because they absolutely battered Villa in that first half. I mean, destroyed them. A decent striker would have... I mean, if Harry Kane was there still, that former Norwich player, if he was still there, I mean, he'd have had a hat-trick in the first 20 minutes let alone by half time. So I'm hoping when we play Villa on the 9th of um, December at their place, that they're they're quite open, as open as they were today. Interesting enough about that game. Do you know that um, four days, bef- three days before we we go to Villa Park, Aston Villa host Man City. They, they've got back-to-back games. And so I think we play on the Tuesday night. I can't remember where, is it Luton away, I think? Luton. So we're at Luton on the Tuesday Man City travelled to Villa on the Wednesday and we travelled to Villa, another bloody 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday. Um, we travelled to Villa on the sat- on the Saturday, Villa Park on a Saturday. So, I don't know, a couple of red cards against Man City in the 93rd, 94th minute in a victory and they miss our game. It'd be nice. Unai does it for us. Anything else, Arsenal wise No, we're good. We're good. So, uh, we'll reconvene Thursday for a post-Lons chat and uh, pre-Wolves is it Wolves on Saturday isn't it yeah alright guys thank you very much enjoy the next few days and up the arse on Wednesday qualification secured top spot secured um, yeah take care bye bye we are top of the league say we are top of the league very good The North Bank an Arsenal podcast subscribe rate and review on your app and find us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at NorthBankPod. Email hello at thenorthbankafc.com and check out our website, thenorthbankafc.com. Produced by The Podcast Company. All right, I'll sing it. Go on then. Sur <laughs> Miner As Kermit. As Kermit. Oh, how would how would the hell would you you're make spoiling us? Yeah, how would you how would you make that sound with Kerm the the Russian Kermit? I don't know. Kiai Hervitz scores again. I don't. Sixty million down the drain. That sounds sinister. Well, well that's the idea, is. isn't it? Oh, well, yeah.